Welcome to A Piece of Me. I'm Aviva Breda. This podcast will explore all of the pieces that make up who we are and all of the things that make us special, unique, and different. And we're going to debunk the just that we have in our lives. You're just this. You're just that. You're not just anything. I'll start. Here's a piece of me. Welcome back to a piece of me. It's been a little while. Took a little break for um, Thanksgiving, for um, the holiday of Hanukkah, and we are back. This week's episode is really, really excellent. We are um, sitting down with Mark Stein, who is a really, really has a great story. is really interesting, and um, this episode is debuting on Mark Stein's birthday. So. Happy birthday, Mark. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, please enjoy. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to today's episode of A Piece of Me. I'm Aviva Breda, and today I am joined by Mark Stein. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thank you. Mark is the CEO of Lynx Residential, brokered by EXP Realty. Mark is going to explain to us what that means, because I don't know. Uh, He is the vice president of the New Jersey MLS which is a volunteer position, public speaker and real estate coach with modern agents, business consultant for startups focusing on marketing and branding. We have a lot to unpack. That is a lot. That's a long, okay. I like to keep busy. Yeah, it sounds that way. I didn't even finish the list. (laughs) Then if I say this, you have to really do it. Mark is committed to coming out with a podcast called Whatever It Takes in January of 2022. You heard it here first. So we're going to hold him to it. And he has a company called LimitlessArt.com, which is motivational and inspirational art for kids of all ages. And the coolest part about that is it's a business that he does with his two daughters, Abigail and Rebecca. And there's one more thing, right? At least one more. There's at least one more thing. At least one more, which is you tell us. They're a company that I was consulting for called uh, Caffeina. It's a uh, infused spring water with caffeine. So it's not meant to replace your coffee throughout the day, but it's meant to hydrate you and give you that boost of energy that you want. Okay. And so, I even brought you some samples. Oh, I'm very excited to try them. Well, you know, what's funny actually. Oh, it's such a pretty bottle too. And some of them are flavored. Yes. Yeah, so we have, we just started doing flavors. So these are the first two flavors, mango and black cherry. And I personally thought that mango would be the big seller, but it turns out black cherry is like outselling mango three to one. That's surprising. I'll tell you why black cherry, as much as I like, like Dr. Brown's black cherry, Mm -hmm. like it reminds me often of like medicinal tastes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Um, funny story. When we were like young newlyweds, not newlyweds, like young parents. Right. And we had little kids Shabbos afternoon was like torture Saturday afternoon when like you have to entertain your kids, your little kids. Right. And my husband would only want to nap, and he, but he would feel bad. He would nap, and I'd be stuck with the kids, whatever. We'd go to the park, and he always was, like, dragging. And there was no good coffee, you know, for that time of day right. because you couldn't necessarily have milk, and you needed to be portable, whatever. Anyway, I did some, like, research on the internet, and I found a company that had caffeinated water. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't get it anywhere, and it needed I, – I paid insane shipping rates, and – it tasted terrible. Right. You could really taste that there was something up with the water, but he didn't care. He just like, he drank it and it made him feel better. I'm sure it was all in right. his head, but anyway, that's my little side note. So this is actually spring water. Mm-hmm. So if you, have, you know, like spring water, this is yeah. what it is. Um, we started putting flavoring in it because people want flavored drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are on Amazon prime. So you can easily get it shipped 
two days. Amazing. And uh, even there's even local delivery in Bergen County right now. Okay. Because uh, it's a northern New Jersey company based okay. out of Clifton. But uh, but Amazon and, Prime anywhere in the country. And each bottle has 100 milligrams of caffeine. That's, which, which is like a cup of coffee. That's like a cup of coffee. Yeah. You think I know that. I drink so much coffee. It's not even funny. So this is healthier. It hydrates you, mm-hmm. you know, and it gives you right, the caffeine that you need. Coffee is dehydrating, It's right? all dehydrating, you know. Interesting. Has some acid in it. Right. This is more, this also has electrolytes in it. So like this also helps wow. hydrate you in other ways. Um, it's becoming a favorite sport drink. We have people all over the country ordering really? it. Lots of uh, office workers, you know, mm-hmm. during COVID, not as much, but now we're seeing a lot of office deliveries where people yeah. are having it for the afternoon as opposed to having a second or a third second cup of coffee. A second or a third cup of coffee or a Diet Coke, right. I guess, right? Correct. It's definitely a better option. I mean, and I love Diet Coke yeah. also. I'm like your prime mm-hmm. candidate for these. Um, and we have a bunch more flavors that are being worked on right now. I also happen to like despise like sports drinks. I hate the taste of them. I just, everything about them. So like, this is a great option for like that recovery or whatever, I guess, if you need it. Right. Awesome. So okay. I got involved with this because I drink a lot of water. So, okay, wait, we're yeah. going to get, hold on. <laughs> the way that I typically like to start my podcast is by telling our listenership something special, different, or unique about me. Okay. Okay. I, Oh, wait, and then and then it's going to be your turn. So okay. you're going to be nice. So, so you like, need one for every week. Start, well, it's very hard because I'm like, really, I ask my kids. I'm like, guys, I need like a weird fact about me. And we're running out. Um, I love stars. Not like the celestial stars, like the actual shape. Mm-hmm. If you like put shape, I mean, I guess if people have favorite shapes, like you put shapes out, whatever, I'm always going to pick a star. I don't know why. I love stars. That is super interesting. Isn't that weird? Well, I'll tell you why. It's, it, it you have to listen to back podcasts because I once discussed how I hate butterflies, but I don't hate actual butterflies. I have no problem with butterflies. They're lovely. I hate like butterflies on dresses or butterflies on sweaters or butterfly necklaces. I just have a weird thing. Mm-hmm. So this is like the converse. I love right. stars. Your turn. Uh, weird thing about me. It doesn't have to be weird. Okay. It's just like something different. Something. I am a huge huge live music fan mm-hmm. to the point where I will travel hours to go to a concert even by myself. Wow. Okay. But like any live music or specific? Main, mainly like 80s, 90s, rock, grunge, metal. Like, like that's like how I grew fish? up. A little bit of fish. Because like I've seen people who are like, they'll go anywhere. To but even more so show. like, you know, um, Pearl Jam mm. or Stone Temple Pilots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've done live um Live, you know but life. then also you have the regular mainstream yeah. of bruce springsteen and you know anything along those genres yeah. like i'm just a huge live music person it like totally relaxes me okay. even if the music is like a Super metallica loud and crazy right to the point where actually there was a metallica concert two weeks ago in florida the only one and i considered going down to just florida for, for the that. night just for the concert wow but i was too busy with everything find, going on see i have an issue with live music I find because we're so used to hearing it recorded mm-hmm. that it never sounds as good live because it's not like fine-tuned and polished and it doesn't sound the way I'm used to hearing it, which bothers me. Yeah, so it never is going to sound the same. Right. Um, but if you take the emotion that you get For from sure. the music, yeah. right, and, and the energy that comes from mm-hmm. it and you just take it all in, especially like in an outdoor place, like I love summer concerts, like it's just, it's like the best feeling. Like it just mm-hmm. takes you to a new place, neutral, like back to ground zero. And then like you hit the ground run again the next day and just 
I find that that for me is like it's like reju- yeah, rejuvenated. Yeah, it's like it's crazy. It wow. just it just brings me back to like okay, let's let's regroup and, yeah. and restart. And if I can go to a concert, and again, even if it's by myself, right. I am willing to do that. Like I've wow. gone to Allentown, Pennsylvania last year. That's two years ago, I guess, because of yeah. COVID. So two right. years ago to see a Stone Temple Pilots play at the Allentown State Fair. Wow. You just got in the car, went. Got in the car, went. And like, you meet the greatest people at concerts. Everyone's just chill. Yeah. Everyone has stories. Totally. Everyone wants to talk and hang out. You have the music that's going to bring you all together. And the truth is, I've gotten, I've gotten business out of it, but like, I don't go for that reason. I go because I enjoy it. I, I do remember actually, I, I'm not, I like live music, but I'm not like a big concert goer, Mm -hmm. but, um, I was, I think I was pregnant with my oldest, who's now 17 and Ben and I waited we went to see Dave Matthews band in Central Park mm-hmm. and like, just, yeah, the feeling of like sitting on the floor, you mm-hmm. know, we were like, we had towels. I don't even know if they let us bring the towels mm-hmm. in, but like everyone's singing together, hundreds and mm-hmm. hundreds, thousands of people like yeah. in that there's nothing like it. Correct. Yeah. I get that. To the point where my wife, Alicia, when she was pregnant with Abigail, yeah, she got tickets to Pearl Jam, which I had missed throughout high school. And I never went to the Pearl Jam okay. concert. She knew yeah. I was upset. I wanted yeah, to see yeah, them yeah. and they were coming at, msg mm-hmm. and she was like eight months pregnant and she's like no, i'm gonna buy more tickets and we she came and went and tickets really she's like i'm not so sure i'm gonna go to much of these concerts with you but right. like she knew i wanted to go and it was like yeah. just a great concert i imagine pearl jam was a great concert yes wow okay awesome that was that was a good one okay good great okay so let's start from the beginning before we get to all of these exciting and interesting things about you um where did you grow up where did you go to school I hear there's some some exciting stuff in there. I grew up in Highland Park, New Jersey. Okay. Um, and I went to RPRY, mm-hmm. which is the local, was the local school back in the day. Mm-hmm. And from there, I went to Hillel High School in Deal. Okay. Which most people went to either JEC or Brewer, but a handful of us went to Hillel. We had a bus. It was still mostly Sephardic. Yeah. What was school. it like being not Sephardic? Right. There? So it was like a two thirds to one third at that point. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a hundred percent, but interesting cultures. I absolutely love the food. I'm a foodie. So like learning and seeing how their food is made Mm -hmm. and the flavors, like I absolutely love the Hillel Shabbaton freshman year because all the Syrian mothers sent packages and packages of food, even though the school was providing food for their kids because they had to eat their food. Correct. And it was just absolutely incredible. And I was like, I want to come for Shabbos every week. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. So it was a great experience. Like I had a good time there. I met a lot of great people, still friends with those people to today. Um, and, but at, throughout my high school career, my parents decided to move from Highland Park to Teaneck. Okay. Uh, I have two younger brothers and they wanted other options. Right. Um, so we moved up here and, um, and I went my last two years. Well, I wanted to go to first, but first didn't want to take me Got it. because I wasn't much of a good student. I was more in the experience of high school than the scholastic of high school. Um, so I went to CBC, okay. uh, had a good experience there. A lot of good people. And when I graduated, I didn't have the greatest uh, grade point average. Okay. Um, I was the student who like really did not care to bring a backpack to and from school. And I kind of was in school for the hour <laughs> I needed to be there. And I left when I didn't need to be there. <laughs> um, but I did what I needed to do in order yeah. to pass. And, okay. and I moved on. Um, was that challenging, though? Was it like a constant struggle? For like, me, it wasn't a struggle at all. Like, with your parents and all yeah. that. And I mean, with listen, the teachers they, and... they, my parents definitely wanted me to be a better student. Right. They realized that like it just wasn't, wasn't necessary right for, for me and like the day of you know eight in the morning till 5 30 at night every day was just a lot and i just yeah. wasn't at that point in my life where i was able to handle it right um and at that point i was starting to work in high school i my first real 
job, I guess, was uh, Oppenheimer's Hotel. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, of that. No, I haven't. That is a hotel owned by the Oppenheimer family out of Lakewood. But okay. Maurice Oppenheimer was a teacher at RPRY. Okay. Um, and he then went to teach at TAVC, at, um, M- uh, where did he teach? JEC. Mm-hmm. And he would bring the guys to work up there, either as waiters or counselors, weekend. either weekends or, or the, the summers. Summer. So it was in the Catskills. It's in the Catskills and Fleischman. No, it's not really the Catskills. That yeah. It's Fleischman's New York. Okay. So it's like near Kingston, if you want okay. to look at yeah, a map. Yeah. Um, and so we started working in the food business because of that experience. Yeah. So like in the that throughout high school. Wow. Um, worked for them. I worked for main event caterers back in the day. Okay. You just um, did like waiter and stuff like that. I would help with the project management of it. In other okay. words, party setup, clean up, mm-hmm. you know, make sure everything runs smoothly. Yeah. Um, I worked at Chopsticks for uh two years along with a lot of people here in town yeah (laughs) um but yeah that was my high school like I kind of just bounced around I was in school for what I needed to and when I graduated I graduated and I went to Hillel I went to uh, Israel for the year then okay so in Israel I went to BMT which no longer exists bring my tequila I mean whichever (laughs) way you want to go with it whichever you want to go with it though yes bring um again (laughs) along with a lot of my friends from Hillel who went there and I met a lot of other people who will come back in my life later on also. And it was just, again, a great experience. Like mm-hmm. I was there and I was chilling and I have a cousin who was the drummer for the Moshe band at that time. Oh, so cool. So he took me every weekend somewhere different. Like I traveled oh, the country. Wow. Like people talk about their Israel experience and yeah. like the yeshiva they went to mm-hmm. and all the learning. I'm like, every weekend I was somewhere else in Israel, Amazing. like in people's houses that like I would never would have been able to go to. Right. Um, and he brought me to Moshav and we stayed with Ben and Solomon oh, and got to be with them and, and experience that. Um, he took me to these little villages um, where we get lost on the way and yeah. ended up with some Arab village. And then we ended up back where we needed to be. <laughs> but like experiencing all that Israel was, was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I really got to travel. I got to see things like to this day, like when we go with family, they're like, how do you know all the roads so well? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know how to get everywhere? I'm like, I travel. Like, I, you know, if there's I new stuff, I may not know, but right. like, I can rent a car without GPS and get through a Yerushalayim without a problem. Wow. So that was, that was a fun year. Mm-hmm. Um, you stayed in Israel just for one year. I stayed in Israel for one year. I came back after Pesach and I had one rabbi who really took me under his wing and just mm-hmm. like, all right, you've had a good time. It's time to Let's spend the next seven weeks and like, just focus. So, uh, Give a shout out to Benji Kualasser, okay, uh, who was just amazing. Him and Mary really took me in, and that's Rabbi Kualasser from Yavna's son. Yes. Oh wow. Yes. Okay. He and was the principal when I was at Yavna. So he was at at BMT when I was there, mm-hmm. and that year, him and uh, Rav Boaz Mori were friends. They were it was a Rosh Yeshiva location. Yeah. So they were actually were planning their own school, which today is known as Leva Torah. Oh, but back then it I was, it was a sheet of paper of their uh-huh. concept of how do we do this? And I was there from the beginning to watch that Amazing. and watch it grow. And I just love to see how successful yeah. they got with it. And That's it's incredible. incredible how they built it. But that was, uh, my Israel experience. Okay. And then I came back to America and my mother's like, so what are you gonna do with your life? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a good question for right now. I'm just going to keep working in the food, food. business. Right. And she's like, why don't you take some classes or something? Your friends, I know go to RCC. Why don't you just go there and take some classes? All right. Did you have no plans at that time to go to college or you were like, I'll figure it out one day? I'll figure it out one day. It wasn't okay. like I was never going to go. I just, yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Right. Right. Like a lot of high school students, like you take all these classes or you take right. all these experiences, like what do you really want to do with your life? Right. Um, but I didn't know. So I kind of just, I started taking some classes Okay. and we got to the end of the first semester mm-hmm. and I got my, you know, grades 
and it says in the top right corner of it dean's list I'm like, what does that mean what? i'm like what does that mean <laughs> and so like it turns out that like it's not that i didn't like school i just didn't like being in school for that many hours right. when you're in school 12 hours a week taking the classes you want to take yes it's a whole some poor curriculum experience. whole different experience yeah so do you think there was something going on with you that had you been in school today you would have like a diagnosis or something like or do you think probably. it was just like not for you i mean it probably could have been a diagnosis of some type yeah. of add or you know, again, a lot of it I wasn't interested in. Like I was right. taking classes that just had no purpose for me at that time. Right. And just this is what you have to do in order to go mm -hmm. through school. Mm -hmm. um, I hear all the time, like I listen to tons and tons of podcasts and I hear all the time, almost like every person who is successful in their field was like, oh my God, if I was in school now, I would be on this medication, have right. this diagnosis, have, have this, have that, whatever. But like, it just wasn't. Right. And I, I personally struggle with like, which way is better, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I feel like, but- Anyway, I don't know if it was better or not. Right. I mean, it was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, it didn't stop me from doing anything. Right. Right. But, and then there it was. And yeah. so I started taking classes the way I wanted to and I was doing well. Yeah. And then I started getting involved more in the business side of stuff. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the marketing, creating stuff like the best part of catering when I worked in catering was taking an empty ballroom at nine o'clock in the morning for a four o'clock wedding and you're making it look the way you need it to look yeah like that was enjoyable mm -hmm. like creative the displays um you know I worked a lot of different Pesach programs over the years both in Arizona and Puerto Rico and New York yeah. and Florida and like again you're taking an empty hotel and making right. it look gorgeous for the holiday right and for the meals and, and that was just really enjoyable so mm -hmm. like I got involved in the marketing and and the branding part of stuff and took a lot of classes and I kind of just started getting involved in different businesses at the time, a lot okay. of different things, a lot of moving parts, like, you know, started one business with a friend was a gift giving service for stocks and bonds on the internet okay. at the time in 98, 99, you know, it kind of was like, you know, stock, the dot-com boom and like yeah. everyone was getting involved in it. So we found a way to, you know, register for your bar mitzvah for your wedding. Instead of getting China or a watch, you're going to get stock and oh, invest genius. in your future. So it was a great idea. Yeah, that's great. It's a great idea. Okay. And so that launched when I was in college. Okay. Um, we made a second place. I think it was New York State Entrepreneurship Competition. Wow. We made CNBC Cool Side of the Day back then and it like crashed our servers. Wow. So that was cool. Yeah, and then, cool. And then you get into the involved in the business part of it where right. you and your partner have different ideas how to run a business. Right. And so it was either me buy him out or him buy me out. And he bought me out and he moved on with it. And I'm okay. done with other projects. So I was like, and, and he continued with that. He continued with it for a few years. Okay. Yeah. And you parted ways. Yeah. Okay. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Just, That's you know great. what? It just realized that you want to do different things. Different things, right? Right. And I was still very young. And I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? Let me see what else is out there and do different things. And great. Um, so I finished up at RCC, which was a great experience. I got a, How long so, were you there for? Two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah. I did it two years. And then, I applied to both NYU and Baruch and I got into both for business, I, for or, business. Okay. and I realized I didn't want to pay for NYU. NYU. Like I was right. like, what do I really need this degree for? At that point I was like working on a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. I promised my mother I'd finish college. So right. I was like, let me go to Baruch. It's a good business school. Right. Um, so I go to Baruch, come full circle. All the guys I was in BMT with are all in Baruch with me right. now. <laughs> so you know, I started with them in high school. We were in right. Israel together and now in Baruch. So it's right. kind of, it's kind of was like uh, a full circle of all these people that were in and out of my life and that we're still friends with to today. Right. And they yeah. live all over the country. 
How many years did you, were you in Baruch? That was only two more years? So Baruch, I did part-time while I was working. I was working okay. catering. I had okay. just gotten my real estate license because my mother's like, in case all your crazy ideas don't work out, why don't yeah. you have a real estate license? Right. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. So, so did you have any interest in real estate and were you thinking residential? Were you thinking commercial or it was just really like your mom was like, you know, this is a good thing to just have in your back pocket. So I always had an interest in real estate because I have to do a business, right. but I never like at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do within real estate. Okay. And to get a real estate license is not a difficult time. It's just a time commitment to just go to class. Right. Right. So I kind of did it one summer. Okay. And I took the class and I got my license and yeah. I hung it locally here in Teaneck at Russo Real Estate. Mm -hmm. And Lydia Russo at the time was, is the, was the owner. And she was just an absolutely incredible person. Like she just... She brought me in. She's like, I'll train you. I'll teach mm -hmm. you about the business. Like she, to this day, like I still do deals. I hear her voice in my head really? of, of how to handle something because she really taught me the way to run a business. Yeah. Right. And she was very successful in running hers. Did you right when you first got your real estate license, did you even work or like in real estate or you just hung it and kind of left it there? So I hung it, it. I hung it there. I kind of worked part-time the first three years when I got my license, okay. just because like, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. Right. And I had friends at the time who wanted to like rent or buy something. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I can help you with it. Right. Right. But again, I was again a little bit of a punk. And so who <laughs> wants what what adults right. wants, wants to work with a 21-year-old, 22-year-old kid right. who just got into the business when you are 35 or 40 right. buying a 700, 800, 900 thousand dollar house for your right. family? Like they didn't want to work with me, which right. was fine because I didn't really want to work with them. Right, right. Um, but my friends all needed places to live. Right. So it's interesting that you say that about hanging your license. I actually mentioned this on the podcast that I did with your associate, Nina. Mm -hmm. um, my mother had a real estate license. I don't know if she ever did a real estate transaction in her life. Okay. Um, I don't even know when or why she got it, but she had it. And it is still to the, and my mother's retired now. She lives in Florida and it's still hanging in some office in, I want to say Cleveland or Chicago, like someone just offered to hang it for her and she pays the dues every year. And it's just like something that she always felt was like good to have and important. And she always had it. And I always said, I think I should, I should try real estate. I love houses. I love looking at houses. Mm -hmm. I'm like one of those like lucky lose that everybody hates, you know, like I want to go into open houses and whatever, but then, and Nina and I actually talked about this also, like my mom was like, yeah, but people are only want to see houses when you need to be home with your kids. Right. And I was like, oh, that's a valid point. Right. Right. So, right. but she also felt like it was just like such a good thing for her to have. It was always there if she ever needed it. Well, there's over right now 1.5 million realtors, mm -hmm. but probably only 300 to 400,000 of them are producing agents. Interesting. So just to give you a little statistic. Yes. There. Okay. Interesting. But again, I, I promised my mother I'd have this just in case, yeah. but like it went from catering on nights and weekends to like. Well, right, she didn't like already that. kind of working nights and weekends anyway. Right. And she didn't like that life. She's going to go into real estate, not realizing it's nights and weekends it's also. Nice and so like also. I right. trade one for another, but right. definitely a good trade at the end of the yeah. day for me. But so you hung your license with Russo right. and then you were still doing your other. I was still in college doing other things. Okay. I ended up majoring in marketing management okay. with a specialization in advertising and media okay. and a psychology minor. Oh. And I did it over another three and a half years okay. because my focus was to go into like sports marketing at the time. Interesting. So a lot of the classes I took were had to do with the business of sports, okay. not necessarily the players, but how does everyone make money from it? Like Jerry Maguire. Correct. Got it. A little bit like that. A little not, bit like not, not so much agency, but okay. like the yeah. business of running a place like Madison Square Garden or mm, running, running the ads through getting sport players to endorse mm -hmm, products mm -hmm. and do stuff. So like I thought that's what I wanted to do. Okay. 
Okay. Um, I worked for a few months for a company and I realized that it's going to have to be 15 or 20 years before you make it anywhere. Right. Um, it's very hard to build up in that because it just not, it wasn't at that time a big business. Now right. it's bigger than it was. Right. Um, and I was like, I have my real estate license. Let me just do some more real estate because I was doing a handful a year and let me just focus on that a little bit mm-hmm. and I'll figure out what else I want to do. And I was, you know, bouncing around again, different ideas in business, but still focused on real estate. Do you consider yourself to be an impatient person? I'm not impatient, but I like to always have something to do. Right. Like, it's interesting when you said with the sports management, like you got the job, you thought like, this is what you wanted to do, but then you realize like, okay, I'm going to be doing this before I, you know, before I get to the level I want to be at. Right. And, and I, I'm assuming a voice inside you said like, I don't know if this is worth the 15, 20 year investment right. to get there. It's, it's a know? matter of the time that I saw I had to do mm-hmm. and the salary that they were paying exactly. a right. combination of all that. Like, well, I can be using my talents for something better. For something better. Right. Exactly. I, I was always a very optimistic, positive person. Mm-hmm. Like how can I use my talents and my knowledge and the experiences I've had throughout high school and college at right. this point to, to, to do something that will be more enjoyable mm-hmm. every day in and day out. Because again, how many of friends that we all have who have a job every day and they get paid very well, but they're not really happy at their jobs. Of course not. So that was like kind of my trade-off. Um, I think that's like an incredible thing at that young age for you to have the foresight to see that because there are so many people who, like you said, like they go to work every day, it pays the bills, they're, you know, it takes care of what they need. Correct. And you're right, they're not necessarily happy right. in it, but like that's... I, I don't know how many people really feel like they, I don't want to say deserve to be happy, but like, it's just, this is what you do. You right. go to work every day, right. you come home, you pay the bills and you do it again. But everyone deserves to be happy. But of and, course. And it's just a matter of whether or not you have the ability to get there. Exactly. Um, again, being that I was the youngest out of, you know, working right. in a world of catering where again, as the youngest person working on Passover programs mm-hmm. where I got to talk to a lot of these guests and what they do, because they, you know, again, I was more of the major right. T type person. Yeah, so everyone, everyone would just hang out yeah. and talk. And so I, I got to have a lot of interesting conversations at a very young age to realize that there's more to life than just having a job because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed right? to do. Right now, I think it's a little more common that people don't necessarily go to college and find a path what to exactly. do. And, you know, but when I was there, like everyone just went to college. Right, because I think like when we were growing up, you had to check a box, Correct. right? And and it was almost like if you didn't go to college, you couldn't apply. There were so many jobs were just, it wasn't even an option for you. Right. Like now I just, I think that's that culture has changed a lot, which right. I think is, is great because I don't think college is necessarily right for every single every single kid. And it's good that there are those, those options available. Did you always feel like you wanted to work for yourself or were you like, I just want to be do something, doing something that, you know, harnesses my talents and makes me happy, but like. So both my parents are corporate American people. Mm-hmm. So I realized very quickly, I did not want to be a that. combination of that and having that one experience in corporate America. Mm-hmm. I realized that was not for me. Um, I enjoy making my own schedule. I right. enjoy working whatever hours I feel like I need to work. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel like I needed a corporate America work for someone else type job. I've right. always had the positions working for someone else in the catering world. I mm-hmm. didn't own my own place. So like I knew what it was like to work for someone and it just had to be the right situation if I was right. going to do that. Right. Okay. So you started, you decided to leave the sports, sports job mm-hmm. and, um, focus more on your real estate. Mm-hmm. So then you were working for Russo at the time? I was working for Russo at the time. Okay. I was there like six plus years. Oh, wow. Um, they were incredible. They were they were probably in it, the only family business that really runs 
super, super clean and super well. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. They, they were amazing. Yeah. Um, and Lady Russo and Robert Russo taught me incredible things on how to run a business and how to do things. So mm -hmm. I, to this day, I still give them credit for that. That's amazing. That's really great. And at the time you were doing residential real estate. So I was doing residential real estate. I got involved in some real estate investments because I had money from catering. Well, yeah. my friends were starting to make money. Let's yeah. all buy something. Um, we bought a three-family house, mm -hmm. and then we bought a second one. We're like, oh, this is great. We're going to own real estate. Yeah. And then we started getting calls, like, the third floor toilet overflowed <laughs> at two in the morning, <laughs> and we need to go deal with it because we didn't have a management company. It was just us. Right. All of a sudden, you're and then, And at some point, we're just like, this is a little bit of a headache. Like, we bought units that probably were not the best condition, mm -hmm. but, like, we were young and inexperienced at the time, but we wanted to do it. Right. Um, thank God the market went up and we sold and, and did very well. And we all went our separate ways in different right. types of investments, but it all taught us a very good lesson of, you know, the numbers may work out, but the investment needs to be right for each person. Right. Um, so I got involved with a lot of different projects and deals over the years, and mm -hmm. some have done very well and some haven't. Right. And that's just the way real estate investments and business are, and you got to go with the flow. Right, right, exactly. So you were at Russo for about six years, and then... Then I had friends who had a small company. Okay. Um, I don't even remember what the original name was, but they're like, why don't you come work with us? You can build a team. You can this do this stuff. Doing real estate. Doing real estate here locally in TMAC. Okay. Um, I was like, like the only way I'm going to come is if I can change the name. Cause like, I'm not, I think it was called Asia Realty. I'm like, I'm not going to be Asia Realty. Oh, okay. And they're like, okay, so change whatever you want. Like we'll give you full control, do what you want. It'll be our license, but you know, okay. you do it. I was like, cause at the time you were, you weren't a broker, right? You were I happened to be a broker by that time, but like, I want to use it yet. I understand what's the, the progression of that you're an agent for x amount of years or so you, you have, have to be an agent for a minimum of three years now doing a certain amount of deals and then you can apply okay. to become a broker but you have to do another i think another six weeks full time of class oh okay um and then pass different exams in order to get the broker's license the broker's license allows you to open up a brokerage or manage a brokerage um when the salesperson license just lets you sell so and that means you can have a team underneath you you can build a team either way okay you just can't be the the broker. in charge of the brokerage itself the, the legalities the liabilities uh, the compliance what's and what is the benefit other than opening your own your own firm like what's the benefit of being a broker you you, you can make open up money. your own firm you make more money because you make an override over everything that goes on in the uh, brokerage okay, not okay. just your team got it okay got it um but we'll get to that because i decided yeah. to open my own brokerage at some point yeah. but i worked for them for for another six or seven years and it got to a point where like and right away you changed that name to links no i changed that name to actually village homes realty Oh, I, I remember that name. So it was yellow and blue okay. logo. Okay. It was five houses across. Mm -hmm, cute. So people, so you still walk into houses and people have magnets from me. And I was oh, like, cute. oh, look at that vintage. <laughs> I feel um, like I even remember Asia Realty actually. So that bit. they were here in Tina, again, just yeah. a small company. Yeah. I think I know somebody who might've been a broker, uh, an agent for them. So I did that and it was great. And okay. then again, I got to a point where like, I wanted something more. Right. right. So I had my broker's license. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go open up my own brokerage. I had to find a name. And this was leaving village homes or it was leaving. turning village homes? Leaving village homes. Leaving. Leaving village okay. homes, starting from scratch. Got it. And again, when I did that in 2012, 2013, when I was starting to look into it, paperless offices were just starting to become a thing. Mm -hmm. It was e-signatures was just starting to become a thing. Social media right, was, not was just becoming a right. thing. And, I'm, and I learned how to use it. So I'm like, I can run a brokerage all on social media and paperless office. Like this would be great. Right. So we did. Okay. But finding a name was difficult because I want to find a name that I can brand. I didn't want to be Stein Realty. Right. Right. I know what Russo Realty Real Estate was. Right. And I was like, that's a family. Like, right. I'm not, I'm building something more than just right. my name. Right. So I had to find a name and I went through, I have pieces of paper all over the place, like names, this, that, logos, yeah. trying to figure it out. And at some point, someone said to me, well, what do you do? 
I'm like, I sell houses. Like, but, but what do you do? I'm right. like, I link buyers and sellers. They're like, there's your name, links. So we got the links from linking buyers and sellers. That's and it was just straightforward yeah. to the point, super easy. That is, it's good. that's a great one. And I met with a graphic designer to create a logo and she went through like a hundred logos. I'm like, I don't like any of them. She's <laughs> okay. like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I want it to be a stamp. Like I want to be able to put it somewhere and people know what it means. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And she shows me this house that now became the Lynx house. Oh, wow. And she's like, it's clipper. I'm like, what? <laughs> she's like, this is for my clipper. I was using it just as a reference <laughs> to try to figure out what kind of house to build for you. Yeah. And so we refined it over the years, but it's clip art. And, and I brought you some, yeah, uh, some swag here, but if you see the house, yeah, and that it's just, is, it's it's just a brand recognizable uh, as our brand. That's incredible. And I was able to now use it to brand our right. business and all the swag that we give out because people love swag. They, yes, they very much do. Um, along this timeline, when, when did you get married? Uh, I got married right out of college in 2004. 2004. And how long after that did you have your first child? Uh, 2008. So. 2008. Okay. So all this time that you're kind of like starting over and starting over and starting over, that's with a wife and family. Yes. And your wife, I'm assuming, was supportive of all of your shenanigans. And most of the time she most is. Most of the time. <laughs> most of the time she is. Uh, I mean, listen, we both started out in very interesting careers that mm -hmm. have led us you know, different, different paths over the years. Right. Um, when I first got married, she was in graduate school in NYU mm -hmm. and working at Yeshiva University in the president's office. Oh, okay. So she had a very demanding job mm -hmm. and I was building a business. And so mm -hmm. we're just kind of like focused on go, 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 build, right. build, build um, to the point now where we both have careers that started on one way and went, and went completely different. And, but now we're both local and, right. you know, doing our thing. Wow. Okay, so we're in 2012 when you started Links. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how did you... Officially, we opened in 2013. 2012, okay. I made the decision to do okay. it. In 2013, I did it. And you started just you? Did you start automatically looking for a team? Like, how did that... How did you get your first clients? Did you coach people from your old company? Right, so people knew me already. I was right. already selling... I think that year I did like 50 or 60 houses. And you were living in Teaneck at the time? I was living in Teaneck at the time. You and your wife were living here? Yes, I was okay. in Bergenfield. Okay. Um, I was selling 50, 60, if not more houses a year by myself. Oh, wow. Um, I had a couple of agents who were with me at Village Homes mm -hmm. who liked me, who came over with me. Okay. Um, I had a couple of people who reached out to me from other offices and said, mm -hmm. oh, you're starting on your own. I would love to join. Was it an amicable split from Village Homes? Yes. Okay. Thank God. Yes. Good. Yes. They, they weren't in the real estate business. They were attorneys and title companies and doing other stuff. And they just oh. happened to have a real estate company. And I came in for a few years and ran it. And, and then that was it. And that was it. Okay. Um, so here we are starting out and people called me and reached out to me and I, I took 700 square feet here in Teaneck, like a small little office. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, great. We'll have an office. We'll have a closing room and Enough. a couple of desks for agents who want to come in. And, right. and it grew very quickly, actually. I got a lot of agents who called me to want to come on board mm -hmm. and we outgrew our space within a year. Wow. And I took a second space in Maywood, right next to the Bergen Town Center. Yeah. I rented a building right next yes. there, okay. the Lynx building. Yes. And we I opened up a second office. Yeah. And it's still there now, right? Uh, the, no, we closed that down. We closed, we'll like get to that. There's a tattoo shop there, there now, right? Right. Yeah. So we had that for five years, but we a lot of agents started joining because yeah. they saw us over there then. Right. Um, and then I and that helped you, I'm sure, brought in, into other communities. Right? Yeah, I mean, we were all over Bergen County right. doing stuff. When you first started, though, were you like predominantly in the Teaneck Bergenfield area because that's where mm. people knew you? My personal business, I would always say, was like seventy percent 
in the Teaneck, Bergenfield, Englewood, Tenafly communities. Okay. Um, and 30% all over. Okay. You know, again, like I have people call me up because they knew my reputation and mm -hmm. they're like, hey, my buddy just bought this package of houses. Can you help get rid of them? Uh, right? Okay. Like, right. Or, or yeah, someone's yeah. like, one of my friends who I sold the house to, he's like, yeah, I'm in the investment world. We took over this company. They have a bunch of real estate in New Jersey. Can you help get rid of it for yeah. us? Okay. Right. Yeah, so right. I would start doing a lot of things all over, being that I grew up in Highland Park. I knew the landscape of New Jersey pretty sure. well. And so I was able to, if not me personally, find the right person for them to help. So kind of my business grew personally because of networking that I've been doing since I was 14 years old. Right. I was going to ask you, actually, is it, do you find that with real estate, it's really much more about the networking and the connections than like more than like the actual, right? Like that's more important to make those connections and to have that, you know. I mean, the business is all referral based, let's right. call it, right? Yeah. Your first client may not come from a referral. Your first client may come from doing lead generation, which is super important for agents to learn how to do. Okay. But once you build a relationship with one or two or three people that mm -hmm. you sold the house to or sold their houses, they'll recommend you as long right. as you keep in touch with them. Again, another point of the swag. Like right. You buy or sell something. Hopefully the agent's giving you something to remember them by. Right. Um, you know, a lot of back in the day, I'll tell you this, like we used to, I used to sell a lot to the Tienic apartment people to help them buy houses, right. um, which was a great business for me being living there and my friends. Right. And I started doing flat screen TVs, oh right? My God. And I was like, you buy a house, maybe you get a flat screen TV. So they're like, oh, that's great. So like- I feel like that's a reason to buy a house right there. So people would come into their houses and like, hey, you see my, my, my realtor bought me? I got a yeah, flat screen TV. Totally. And this was like when they were first coming out. Right. You know, so right. like it became like, oh, this is a great gift. Yeah. And that just, again, it's all marketing and branding mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and positioning yourself in the right place. Right. Right. So I'm like, all these ideas and all these things that I've learned over the years, mm -hmm. how do I relate to it, to what I'm doing right now? And people mm -hmm. like, how are you going to leave? You're going to sell them a house and they're gonna be happy with you, right? They're thrilled. You got them a house, you got them a great deal. Right. How are they going to remember you though in a year from now? Well, right. if they're turning on the TV every day, yeah. right? They remember, they're hey, this remember. TV came from my realtor. Someone's like, hey, do you have a realtor? Oh, Mark's fine. Yeah. And that's how kind of I, I went from doing 20 deals to 40 deals to 60 deals right. a year right. because of that reputation of, hey, he did good for me. And now I'm still in front of them. Right. On a, regular, on a regular basis. On a regular basis. Do you think that, um, do you think there's a specific talent that like selling a house, like that you have to have in order to be a good realtor? Or is it more like the whole package of that, like marketing business, like that mind? Or like, do you think you need to be able to like walk into a house and be like, oh, this house has amazing closets and like, you know, like know that type of stuff? Or is it? I think the biggest attribute more? that somebody needs to have is patience. Uh, okay because you're going to deal with people not knowing what their story is, not right. knowing what their situation is, right. not knowing anything about them. Right. And you got to show them houses based on what they're telling you they want. Which is not usually what they want. Which is not what they want. <laughs> right. Almost ever. <laughs> I see that all the time. I'm a personal shopper. Right. And like someone will tell me, I'm looking for a green dress that's this and that. And I bring them literally exactly what they're asking for. They're like, no, that's not what I want. Right. 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 So yeah. a lot of patience. Yeah. And you can't, judge anyone because you don't know their situation right. right that's one thing that the lady russo taught me is like everyone's money is green you don't know how that's they right. how they work for it where it came from right but treat them all the same because they're coming with money to buy a house mm -hmm. and you need to treat them with respect um and that just stays with me and just yeah. the patience of like understanding who they are what's going on maybe there's a family member helping them maybe there's not right you know maybe you know they want a house now for the next three years and they know something's going to happen they're going to buy something bigger right, right. later on um but just having the patience to like hear them out and listen mm -hmm. and i tell them agents the same thing that work with us like 
just be quiet and listen because eventually they're going to tell you what they want, even though they're telling you what they want. And husband and wives almost never agree on what they want. And husband's like, whatever my wife wants, whatever makes her happy, happy wife, happy life. And I'm like, no, but what do you want in the house? Like, this is a joint effort that we need to discuss. It's so true. And when my husband and I were looking for a house, um, so this is our first house, the house we're sitting in right now. And we said, I said, absolutely, I will not buy a house that has that doesn't have central air and doesn't have a master bath. And when we bought this house, it had neither. So like, yeah. And, and I was like, why would someone show me a house without those things? Right. And I was like all annoyed. And of course, that's what I ended up yeah. buying. And I always say like now in my head, because I'm always like, oh, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. And I'm like, I will not consider a house without an attached garage. Right. But like, would I? I don't know. You know, like. Right. So, right. right. Yeah. That's... So, so I do an exercise with everyone, the wants and needs, right. Okay. And we yeah. make a list on a sheet of paper Yeah. and the people who are very indecisive, like you watch them trying to figure out what their wants and needs are. And mm-hmm. the need list is not usually very big, right. right. You need a good working kitchen. Does it need to be new? No, you would like it to be new, right. but like it needs a work kitchen. Right. You need one, a dining room. You want, you need, you need, and then you want, I want a nice dining room. I want this color yeah, paint. Yeah, I want yeah. this. But all these things are fixable or changeable right. if we can get the core of what you want. And doing that exercise with people sometimes on paper mm-hmm. is just uh, it's just eye opening for them more than me because I sure. know that right what it's going to be right. But um, having patience just to deal with people is is the most important aspect of being a realtor. And I guess also patience because you could probably work with a couple for a year plus before they find it, and there's no. Uh, I've had three or four years with someone before they bought something. Really, yeah. and. Like, how do you, how do you manage that in terms of your time? Right. Because there's no payoff until there's a purchase. Right. Right. So I know you're investing, like it's, I guess it's time value and all that, but like the amount of time that you put in over those two or three years when they buy nothing, you know, that's time that you could be. So I have the same conversation I have with almost all my clients is that I'll invest the time and energy to help you find a house. As long as you commit that I'm going to be your agent to find the house. Um, and so usually it works like every once in a while, unless they find something by owner or someone calls right. them up an off, off market deal. Right. But if you invest and respect them and say, look, you know, I'm going to help you get what you want. Mm-hmm. But I need you to understand that, like, I'm going to invest the time to do that for right. you. Right. You have that open conversation with them. It works. So the problem is that most agents don't really have that conversation with right. their clients. And so they have it at some point, but not at the beginning. Right. And so I usually try to have it at the beginning and, and people respect you for it. Right. Because they understand that like you're working for them to find and, them the right house, the right deal serious. and negotiate and that they're serious about it. And you're invested. Right. Yeah. And then, but then it pays off because then you sell them a house and they give you five referrals because right. like you, they, you gave them the time that they want. And they're yeah. like, there's no one else out there that's, you know, to, to work with. But my agent, like everyone's right. if you talk to anyone in town, like they're all very proud of the agent they worked with. Right. Or hopefully they are. Right. And they'll tell you or that they had a terrible experience, a completely terrible experience. Right. And I'll tell you but that also no in between. It's Nothing. not like, no, nah, it's fine. It's Nothing. either incredible, amazing Correct. or horrific. Yeah. So, OK, so you quickly moved into a second space, quickly into a second space and then and then moved into a third space in okay. Hoboken. Wow. And because I had agents who were willing to work for me. Yeah. And within a year or two of that, I realized I was no longer happy. Uh-oh. Right. Like I was doing what I thought I wanted to do, yeah. building a business, building yeah. a company. And I was dealing with running a business, coming. right. Yeah. And running a company Ugh, and dealing space. with the nitty gritty. Yeah. And I wasn't happy with that. Mm-hmm. And so I had to figure out what to do. And I went on almost a two year journey to figure that out. Wow. Which is how I found EXP. Okay. So. Talk us through that. So EXP is a platform mm-hmm. for people to run their business. They are the brokerage. 
they deal with the broker responsibilities of legalities, compliance and insurance and mm-hmm. MLSs and all the stuff that the broker needs to worry about and pay for and deal with, they deal with so that the agent can run a business of just working with buyers and sellers. So when you joined with the XP, did that remove you as the broker? It removed me as a broker. It removed me all my liability, all my uh-huh. compliance, all my responsibility to run the brokerage part of it mm-hmm. and brought me back to running the business of working with buyers and sellers and running a team of agents who are working with buyers and sellers. And we can focus on the services that we need to provide for them. Because again, right. my, my whole business model is I am the team leader now, right? To give the services to my agents so they can give the best services to the buyers and sellers. Mm -hmm. So if I can provide them with services of marketing and branding and transaction coordination and the behind the scenes stuff that none of the buyers and sellers ever see, but if I can take that aspect of it and so they can free up their time to focus more on sales, we all can be more successful. So that's what I did. I, uh, I, you know, I listened, I almost sold the company at one point because I didn't realize that that's not what I want to do. I like right. the whole brand goes away. Then you become someone else's brand. Right. And I kind of, we created a nice brand in yeah. town that everyone likes Definitely. and we wanted to continue it and I want to continue it. And so I kind of like found a happy medium and now it became one of the fastest growing brokerages in the world. Is this something that is new? Is this a new platform or is it something that's always existed? You just didn't really like know about or uh, hadn't, hadn't encountered yet. It's been around for like 12 years now. Oh, okay. So it's been around. Yeah. It wasn't all 50 States yet. It okay. kind of grew organically slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, are there many platforms like this or are they really the, there's two that I know that are big and then a handful of ones that are starting out okay. now. Interesting. But the, but I saw when I researched all the companies that are out there, there's very little difference between mm-hmm. all the companies, right? Some of them are yellow, some of them are red, some of them are blue. Like at the end of the day, everyone's selling real estate. So what's right. the best platform to be on, Okay. right? So they have a, the best financial model. Mm-hmm. They had the um, great services behind it. Mm-hmm. And they had a collaboration of agents around the country who were all willing to help. Like I was on the phone with agents for six or nine months from this company who all were helping with my business before I even said yes to coming over, wow. which was just for me as a business owner, Right. was incredible because they were telling me how to make my operation smoother, better, mm-hmm. more efficient, like with ideas that they were just sharing with me that no one else was willing to share with me until right. I came over there. How did you find out about this, this platform or this option in the first place? Uh, I looked out to see what was out there in the brokerage world. I've been very involved in the local and state level of business. So I see I've seen all the brokers out there. I'm okay. friends with a lot of the CEOs. Of the local companies. Okay. Um, so I knew what was available and I kept researching it. When I first looked at it, I didn't really understand it enough. So I said right. it wasn't for me. Right. Let me keep looking at the big ones that everyone knows about, like so, a Coa Banker, a Wiker, oh, a Remax. Okay, okay, I see. And but then, those, but those are different in that don't they like they have their own umbrella and their own agents and everything, right? Correct. Does EXP also have that? Is that like they're well, not all agents work for a brokerage? So if you're working for Wiker, you're working for the Wiker brokerage. Right. But and correct me because I really don't understand, but the way I kind of understood it is that EXP is more like this like platform that brokers can come to and kind of like give over their their responsibility, liability, all of that stuff, all the behind the scenes and like nitty gritty, like mm-hmm. annoying business stuff. Yeah. And then you can still be links residential. Right. You know? So they let you brand your, your company however you want. Uh-huh. They deal with the brokerage part of it. So there's individual agents, there's small teams, there's big mm-hmm. teams, there's mega icon teams. If you had gone to somewhere like Weikert or Caldwell Bingo, right. though, could you still have been links residential or not really? Not as much or not right. as easily. Okay. That's what I was um, this, ca- this let me keep my brand yeah. and still run it as if we wanted to run it. Right. And that's why our signs now say broker by, by. Oh, broker, broker by EXP. Broker by EXP. 
Okay. Okay. So this was a big shift for you. Big shift. Yeah. I got rid of a lot of agents who either didn't understand the model or thought that this was a cop out, right? And they weren't, and they were interested in just being with a bigger brokerage or a different type of brokerage mm-hmm. who is more traditional. Um, this is all online. A lot of it's virtual. A lot oh. of it's, you know, they, they let people work all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you collaborate in their system, like they'll let you work wherever you want. But they had plans to expand globally, which is what something I liked. And one yes. of the places that they had told me when I first looked into it is that Israel's on the list. Oh, wow. So it was very enticing. Like yeah. the, Israel was in the top, you know, 15 countries that they were looking to expand to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world is, is very big. And they, yeah. you tell me Israel's in the top 15 that you're looking to go to, then, hey, that's kind of interesting yeah, to look at. For sure. Do you find that um, that agents move a lot between like, is it brokerages or is it company? I don't know what yeah. you guys. So yeah, brokerages. Yeah, agents move a lot. Yeah. Um, is that is that like a normal thing or is it like a red flag? No, it's a normal thing. People are, you know, again, everyone has their own business. Mm-hmm. And the way real estate worked when I first started is that if you were looking to sell real estate twenty years ago, you're going to pick up the phone and call Rooster Real Estate right. or the local brokerage that you in your town, right? And say, hey, I'm looking to sell my house. Can you send someone over? Right. The business has evolved over the years. Internet, right. social media, everything. Mm-hmm. The business is now about the agents, right? Yeah. You're gonna you think you ask anyone who an agency, they're not gonna know the agency as much, they're gonna know the brokerage. The person, no right. one cares what color flag is put in the front lawn that says for sale. Right. Nobody, right? They're they hiring the person, the person, the team to do the job for them. Mm-hmm. And so the business has changed. So now the agent has the power to go where they want to go, work who they want to work with. Interesting. And as long as they're getting the services they need to provide to their clients, then they can be anywhere they want. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, so there's a lot more shifting over the last, I would say three or four years than there was right, before right, that. Right. Um, there's a lot of great companies out there that all offer something a little different. And right. it just has to make sense for you and your business of what you want to do. What do you think makes Links Residential unique and different from all the other ones? We are very hyper-focused on actively marketing houses. Okay. In other words, any agent can take a listing and put it on the multiple listing service mm-hmm. and say, I'm here for sale. Someone right. come by me. Come, come find me. Right. Um, we actively market our houses, both on social media and through um, Google mm-hmm. and through a lot of other websites that we not just syndicate to, but advertise there to capture leads and get people to start looking and eyeballs on our on our houses. Mm-hmm. And so that brings more buyers in if you can list it properly and the buyers then get to see the information. Right. And we're very, very much making sure that the information is full and detailed, right? A lot of, if you look at online, a lot of listings say three bedroom house, two bath, great, great location. Well, right. I don't really tell you anything about the house. Right. You have to tell I the story of the house. Walk, tell the stories after walking through the house. So like yeah. great entry for her with a right. large, large right. formal living room and a wood burning fireplace uh-huh. with a mantle with this. Give some description of the house so right. that when people are reading it, they see it. Make sure that there are 25 or 50 pictures of the house mm-hmm. because people are actually going to look at the pictures before they even read your copy. So, right. but a lot of agencies don't do that. A lot of agencies were taking pictures on their iPhones and not taking actual professional pictures. So mm-hmm. we have a photography you know, company. We have a floor plan company. We, we make sure that when we list a house, all these things that go into making sure your house shines yeah. is done properly. And so we've been able to build our business each year bigger and bigger because we provide those services to sellers when they want to maximize mm-hmm. what they're going to get out of the house by getting more eyeballs on it and more people to appreciate what they have to offer. Cause every house is different right? and there's always going to be a feature to highlight and we figure out what that is and then put it out there. Wow. When you walk into a house, are you like, now that you've been doing this for how many years? 20, 20 years in real estate. 20 years. In real wow. Estate. So like when you walk into a house, can you like, 
like automatically eyeball like oh this is like a great feature or this is like something that people would love or I know how I would market this house if I was selling it so there's always great features it's kind of like what is in right now what people are looking for right so, right? so like you know having that family room in back of the house mm -hmm. like people appreciate having that space now especially after COVID they people want right. more space the big thing lately has been outdoor space backyards yeah. how nice is your backyard mm -hmm. can you just come and do stuff in there right um you know is there room to cook and to eat and you know people appreciate that so you know depending where we're at in the market and the life yeah. like everyone wants something different but there's always something to feature in there um and a fireplace may be an awesome feature for me personally but right. like it may not be what everyone's looking for right, right. now right because then you have to bring wood in and this well, so I have this fireplace, which was not on any of my lists, and I have not once used it. Not ever. You should have it cleaned. Once. I will come put up a fire oh, yeah. this winter, and you're going to be like, how, how did I not I use not? it? But you know what? It's I'm, incredible. I'm afraid to have a fire inside my home, which is ridiculous because I cook with fire, but. Have someone come clean it. I know. We've had it cleaned, so I think it's safe. Okay. I should definitely would clean it again before I lit a fire, but we have yes. not ever. So, like you said, it's beautiful and mm -hmm. it's a nice, cozy feature, right. but really, I could care less. Like, right. have it. So, again, it's all, you know, but, the features depend on who the buyer is, but buyer. we try to find what aspects that are more general that people are going to love and try to highlight those. Did this make you more um, hard to please as a home buyer yourself? Uh, yes, there's very few houses I've walked into and I've said I'm willing to buy a house. Uh -huh. You can ask my wife. I think it happened three times. Okay. Where there's a, I walked into a house, no matter what the price point was. Right, right, like right. I can say, I've showed houses that are three and $5 million. Right. Like I can walk, they don't, I don't want them. They're not what, right. I, not They're what not I'm looking, what for. looking for. Um, it is very difficult um, to find a house. And yeah, there's very few times I've actually come home and said, there's a house I'm like willing to buy or look at it and this and that. And it's fun, kind of funny because we ended up in our house by accident. Okay. Um, we were living in the apartments about to have our second kid. Mm -hmm. We were going to rent a house because we couldn't find anything that I was happy with. That you were happy with. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I can rent this house. It's nice. Yeah. And like the day that we were going to sign the lease in August, he's like, I, sorry, Mark, I just got an offer for someone to purchase the house. Uh -oh. I need to sell it. I was yeah. like, really? He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, I'll buy it from you, I guess. Here's what I can offer. He goes, the offer's way higher than that. I'm like, okay, yeah. forget it. Right. So I'm like, all right, we'll stay in the apartment. We'll find something else. We went to look at a couple other rentals mm -hmm. and we saw this rental and the house was just a little bit of a mess. And I'm like, I can look past it. The house space was good, but like missing closet doors and, yeah. you know, damage and this. And I'm like, I'm not renting a house like this. Like, yeah. I'll, we'll find something. Um, that was in August. Come, I think it was like October or so over Sukkot. We got a message from through someone like, are you still interested in the house? It's available. They had to leave the area. Yeah. They, they want to get it rented. I was like, look, I'm willing to rent it. This was the original house or the house that was a mess? The house that was a mess. Okay. And I was like, look, I'm willing to rent it, but I want to fix up the house. So if you give me two months free rent, I'll fix up the house and then we'll rent it for two years and, right. and figure it out. And they were like, fine, do it. Because they want to know that it was rented before the yeah. winter. So we got in, we fixed the closet doors, the walls, repainted the house. I mean, the dining room light was like a string with a light bulb on it. Like, it was just silly. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah. I don't know how people live like that. People live like that. Right, for sure. And then, so we got into this house and we made it what we wanted and had a pool and we were all excited about that. Yeah. And we had friends over and yeah. we enjoyed it for two years. And they were like, oh, we're staying out in Texas. Like, do you want to buy the house? We're like, great, I'll buy the house. So like, I ended up in the house oh, wow. by accident right. without having to go look. Cause like, it ended up working for us, even though it wasn't the, like, it's called the ideal situation. Right, right. But we ended up loving the outdoor space in the pool, which I've since redone and made it like a, you know, really nice out yeah, there. Right. I built myself an outdoor kitchen now. 
know. And it's like, not easy to find a house with a pool in this area. Correct. So, that's so like, like huge and we didn't know we wanted one, but right. now our kids are fantastic swimmers. Right. We are the Sunday house that everyone hangs out of at. Um, and I just love staying outside working out by the pool until right. I have to close it because it's too cold. Right. Wow. So would you, would you say this is your forever house or you're like not ready to say that? I'm not ready to say it's forever house. Okay. Um, but like, I have no reason, you have to, no reason to go to like rush to go anywhere else. So I guess you've never like looked at a house and was like, Alicia, pack up, we're out. No, no, that's never happened. No. I feel like that would happen to me like three times a week. No. I'd be like, no, you can't buy it. I am. No, no very <laughs> rare. See now, but now more important to me is the property and the location. Right. right. So like if the right location and the right property, the right property. then, okay, then I'll maybe say that. But like now it's, you got so comfortable in a certain area, totally, right. And your friends now are around you yeah. and your neighbors. Right. And it just, it works. And your kids are comfortable. Yeah. Like it's hard to like figure out where you want to go. This from is the story of my life. We've, we've lived here now for 16 years, 16, about 16 years. When we first moved here, we're like this perfect best location. Everything's great. Probably like six or seven years into it. We're like, no, no, this is not where we want to be. We want to be further up. We want to be over there, whatever. Mm -hmm. I looked and looked and looked and looked and nothing. And at this point I'm like, wait, I like it here. Like my kids' friends are in the backyard and they're like this and that. But like, so I just, I wonder sometimes like, had I been so adamant about moving, right? Would I be happy in that location? Like, I don't know. I wonder if you like grow into it or. A lot of people move and yeah. sometimes they just need more space. So yeah. it makes sense for them and it's, they'll find new friends. And sometimes it's just because like the right thing finally came along and they're like, that's what I really wanted. I'm going to go there and we'll, we'll become we'll friends with the work. people there. Yeah, also. for sure. Have you ever um, walked into a house like at a, what is it called when you come to look? To... Just preview it. Yeah. Like a preview and a, whatever to give somebody like an idea of the price. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is a terrible idea. Like this is unsellable. No, nothing's unsellable. No. Okay, fine. But have you ever like been like, you need to do. Yes. We, we give a lot of advice on how people need to clean up or present because mm -hmm. again, residential real estate is an emotional purchase, yes. right? People walk into a house or walk up to a house mm -hmm. and they're like, yes, yes, no, no. Like they're going to subconsciously make that decision. And this is where I guess where my psychology degree came from, right. understanding how people react to what they see. Right. So if you were to take two identical houses and paint one brown and paint one gray right now, the gray one would sell quicker and for, for more sure. money. Right. Right. And that's just the psychology of what HDTV did to everyone. So true. Right. And everyone now expects and wants that prettiness and look, uh -huh. even though it's the exact same house. Exactly. Um, and so we try to give sellers that idea of, okay, this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to set your furniture. This right. is how we're going to make it look. Right. Are you willing to paint? Because if you paint, You'll you might be more. able to get more money. Right. Right. Um, and so all these things are a combination of what we do to prepare a seller to sell their home. If a person is like, no, I'm not willing to do any of the things you've asked. Are you like, are you walking away or like, that's okay. I'm going to make no, it. No, but it's going to, we're going to explain to them. It's going to be a function of the price then. Right. Okay. Right. A house is worth what someone's willing to pay for in any right. given market. Right. There are it's things that, worth what the seller thinks it's worth. Correct. There are right. certain things that we can do to help maximize what you can get out of the house. Right. But again, it's with anything else. Are you going to invest in it in order to get a better return? Right. It's the not. same thing. Same thing I teach, you know, all the time and coach. Like, are you investing in yourself and your business in order to get the return that you want to get? Mm -hmm. Right. All these agents come to the real estate business. They're like, I want to make a hundred thousand yeah. dollars, two hundred, whatever the number is. I'm like, great. So how many deals is that? And they're like, well, in my market, mm -hmm. it's going to be 20 deals. Great. How are you going to get all those deals? Right. right? So if you're not going to invest the time to make the calls and to meet the people and do the things, how do you expect to get the return that you want? Mm -hmm. And so we do that with the sellers also. Right. We explained to them, look, you know, you can't get, you know, 
$800,000 for a house unless you're going to do X, Y, and Z to it. Right. I'm like, well, my, the house up the block did. Well, the house up the block was gray right. and a white kitchen right. and, and had an extra bathroom than yours. And yeah. so I got more. So just because you're on the same block right. doesn't mean you're going to get the same price. It's so funny. You can totally tell when a house was built or redone if the kitchen is like beige with brown cabinets or gray with white cabinets. Right. Like you can always. Well, I love walking into the vintage bathrooms that are brown with these little tiles on yeah. the floor. I'm like, oh, look at this vintage bathroom yeah. with the pink ones or the green ones. And oh my like, God. I, we it's great. I looked at a house once and every it was really a great house everything was great it didn't end up working out for us but except one bathroom and it was pink right. like so so pink mm -hmm. you know and it's like the pink toilet the pink teeny tiles and the whole thing mm -hmm. yeah you can totally see like the stages of of the houses okay so now you are 20 years in the business and you are powered you're brokered by exp Correct. and you have your own you're still in charge of Lynx Residential. Correct. How many agents do you have currently working for you? We have 14 agents for us. 14 agents all around? Most of them in Northern New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, we have two in Central Jersey. Two in Central Jersey. Okay. And now you're back to having one office space? So we have a workspace here in Teaneck, mm -hmm. which is just really for the staff. Okay. Um, and there's a place for closings, but eXp being a virtual brokerage. Oh, right. Um, you don't really need they the have one main they have one state brokerage in Montclair, mm -hmm. um, which is where the compliance runs out of. And then we have our workspace that we do some work out of, but we have that state office over there. Okay, great. Um, and now how did um, COVID affect your business? So COVID shut down our business for three months. Completely. Completely. You couldn't go into people's houses. Right. Right. Like even if I was able to like do some video showing, people didn't want you in their house anyway. Right, right. So for three months, we were for the most part shut down. Mm -hmm. um, so I went back to my coaching stuff. And every morning I did a talk show with a coach of mine mm -hmm. to help agents get up and focus on what they need to do in the morning. Because there's still stuff that you could do, explain, just not selling houses. Explain to us a little bit about the coaching and what you do with that. So about 10 years ago, I got involved with the local boards and MLS to give back to the community that I was working in. Mm -hmm. And so it's a volunteer position. And so you start learning how the business works and how the organizations work in order to service the agents so that they have their compliance properly. So they have the government affairs, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff going on local and national stuff. And then there's the MLS, which was like where all the agents put their information of the houses they have for sale. So we can share that information with buyers, agents, or people of buyers okay. so that it all works. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of that. And over time, people were like, would ask me a lot of questions and sit on panels, like to help understand the process. And I kind of enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started doing it more and more. And I became a coach um, with a group of other agents who we help coach both agents and team leaders and independent brokers, you know, and how to do different things. And so we get asked to talk all the time. Yeah. So one of them who I work with said, hey, let's do a morning show, mm -hmm. bring on all the people we know with our CEOs of big companies, Yeah, right? We had the, the president of the National Association of Realtors on one right. morning, just talking about what is going on, what agents should be doing, right. how to keep them motivated. And that was just a big aspect of, of what I did every morning because yeah. it got me up and out you know, it was right. at eight o'clock in the morning to sit in front of my Computer screen, screen right. and like do the show at 830. Right. Um, and make sure we had guests and what we had to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so that helped coach a lot of agents through stuff. And then once the business came back, it was, it was super busy. So yeah, you just, think it, there was a boost right after do you think there was, there was demand, there was more demand than we had ever seen. Because 
people wanted out of apartments people wanted out of the city people, people wanted, wanted out space. of everywhere they wanted more space they wanted outdoor space they wanted to get out of their apartment they wanted to get out of the city uh-huh. they either they realized that the house that they liked wasn't for them right i mean because people um, I mean, have never really had to spend so much time correct. in their homes correct a lot of people together and a lot of people fix up their homes right and realize, right. hey, this is not for me. Right, right. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have to spend time in their homes and realize that there wasn't enough space the for space them. space wasn't working for them. Right, or they said they're going to change their lifestyle now and they decided to sell their house and move to Florida because right. they can do their job from anywhere. Right, because why not? And like, why not have your kids live in sunny yeah, Florida? I totally hear that. Totally hear that. So did that even out, you think? This, like the three months shut down with the demand boost or not, not really? I don't think it really evened out our, our business. Was definitely busy, mm-hmm. but there were less houses on the market right. overall over mm-hmm. the course of the year. Yeah. So even though we were busy running around trying to get our clients' houses and trying mm-hmm. to find houses to sell, we still had to deal with the fact that the inventory was low. Did it take a long time for you to be able to bring people into homes? We were showing homes with gloves and masks and booties, and you know, at the beginning, and yeah. then people it's got a little slowly, more comfortable, right. and you know, we never want sellers home anyway, so it just helped right. get the sellers out. Right. right. Um, but people didn't want their houses touched and they need yeah. to sell and they were time to sell and trying to figure out where to go. And some people took early retirement. Like I said, right. like a lot of life changes happened because of COVID for people. Right. Like right. they may not have retired for another three years, but because COVID hit, they're like, I'm going to retire now. Yeah, and, why not? And then we're going to go down to the Jersey shore. We're going right. to move to Florida. And so mm-hmm. we dealt with a lot of life-changing events for people. Mm-hmm. Um, people didn't have babies during COVID and they're right. like, well, where do we go? Where do we go now? Right. right. Like we need more space. So that right. was another thing of people were living in apartments and they were in a studio in the mm-hmm. city and they were pregnant when COVID hit and then they had a baby like, uh-oh, uh-oh where right. are we going to go? Wow. Do you feel like in terms of the COVID stuff, like you're kind of over the hump with that? Like, are are you welcoming people's homes now? Is it like, has that really For the most down? part, we're welcoming people's homes. There are still people who want us to mask in homes. So we do that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, depending on the culture, there are some houses that you still have to wear booties or take off your right. shoes, but that was always the case. Yeah, yeah, I feel like people always do. Um, and so, again, it's about being respectful to yeah. who you're who you're working with. And if the sellers want things done a certain way, you respect them you and respect do that. Them. Right. You know. Are you, um, now that you have this brokerage platform, are you, um, I'm reluctant to say happy because like, you know, but are you in the place that you were hoping to get to? I am happy. It's definitely helpful to focus again just on the business aspect which is right. what i like is running helping people buy and sell houses mm-hmm. um it's giving me the opportunity to expand to israel my brother has a license in israel oh, wow. and so we just started expanding to israel now because exp is there amazing um i actually just met with the israeli broker of record in charge of everything there okay. I met last week so like wow. meeting him in person re- you know going over stuff like i might go to israel and train some of the anglo ancients there and how to do stuff that's so amazing. that's exciting yeah um, so I think it just gives me more opportunity to do what the parts of the business I enjoyed, mm-hmm. um, while still having the, the brand, right. The brand was important to me. We yeah. built up a really nice brand. People like it. Um, they like what we do and we want to just continue helping people. I honestly, being in this Tina community, like, I think that your brand has a lot of, um, first of all, recognition, mm-hmm. but on top of that, it's just very well respected. Right. I, I feel, you know, and I, um, am partial to one of your agents, mm-hmm. Nina, who's the most patient person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that you've built something really, really incredible. Listen, we've worked, we've worked with people in the community from, from all places. Like I know a lot of organizations in the community have come to me 
to help out with either selling a house or figuring out values mm-hmm. because of a situation that happened. Even the rabbis in the community have come to me to help them with like, listen, someone we need to quiet, we need to deal yeah. with this. Like, mm-hmm. so we deal with a, you know, I personally have dealt with a lot of uh, people here on a completely different level that no one will ever see. Right. And so there's good and bad that comes with that. Course, and yeah. but at the end of the day, like it's it's about how we can help more people, right? What good could we do? How can we leave things better than than where it was? And some people got to stay in their houses, and some people we had to sell their houses. And at the end of the day, we tried to do as respectful and some right. things as quiet as possible for a reason. And you know, we continue to do that all the time. It's incredible. It's really wonderful that you you've built this. It sounds like a very warm community of people who are really concerned with doing right by their clients and you know. all, all, all the agents that work at links are just incredible people yeah. um you know we train on making sure people understand that like this is a sensitive business for a lot of yeah. people you know we don't necessarily deal with their finances but we're privy to their finances yeah. or their situations and yeah. And again, when it comes time to fighting for a house for someone, we need to fight for them, right? Right, And you need to learn to negotiate well. And so we continually train on all these things so that, that our agents and our team can really be focused on doing what's right for people. Incredible. Um, okay, I want to shift for a few minutes because we only have a few more minutes here um, to the business that you have with your daughters. Yes. So tell us about that a little bit. Uh, okay, so... A few years ago, I was looking for inspirational, motivational artwork for them. I feel like in the business world and the, the coaching world that I was in, there was a lot of artwork out there in canvas art that mm-hmm. had to do with money and materialistic things. Interesting. Right. So if you Google like motivational artwork right now and just see what comes up, yeah, it's most likely going to be a bag of money uh-huh. or a car or something of that sort. That's going to supposed to be motivational to get you to go do what you want right. to do. Right? right. It's about the 24 seven hustle about all these things that, mm-hmm. that might be great for business people and adults, but kids don't relate to it. Right. So I want to find something that worked and there really wasn't much out there. So my, my awesome graphic designer and I, who has been working with me for five or plus years, does all my link stuff. Yeah. She's like, oh, let's create something. So we created a couple of pieces yeah. and the kids loved it and they wanted more. And so we created more and mm-hmm. it kind of like turned into a little bit of a project for, with, uh, with them and coming up with ideas and what, what messaging and what's important and having those conversations with, with kids is like eye-opening. Like what do they want to see? What, what's important to them? Because they don't know how to express themselves yet. Right. They don't know what's going to really make them happy. They they know what they see. And especially in this world that we live in of social media, right? Where yeah. the kids are like on these apps or see their friends and they see the brands and designers and I want, I want, I want, not realizing what's important to them. So how can we make it more wholesome for kids? And so we created a line called Kidspiration Art originally, which was geared towards kids of just be anything you want to be, mm. be magical, be happy, but in colors and in prints and all the ways that, you know, if you see it over and over again every day in your room and you see it in your school and you see it in places, like it it relates to them. Like if you walk around every day and you see money bags, money bags, money bags, (laughs) right? You only think about is money. But if you, you know, and wherever you go, like you're seeing stuff, you're you're taking it all in Mm -hmm. and our kids are taking in whatever they're in school, but what are they doing everywhere else? Like as good as we are as parents, like are we really bringing them you know, the goodness of, of being good people and, and how to inspire others and how to be happy and all that stuff. So we created a bunch of different lines at the beginning and we yeah. launched it um, and it did okay for a while. And then we had some problems on the business end of stuff, mm-hmm. like anything does. And the kids are learning, like not yeah. everything always works out the way you want to. Right. And we had shut down then for a while and 
we were able to relaunch this year uh, with a little bit of a, of a wider net called LimitlessArt.com. Okay. And it has a lot of different lines of artwork that go from our B line, which is, I think, 37 B messages, be a leader, be magical, be unique, be different, wow. be crazy, be fun, be generous, yeah. right? All these things of, of messaging that like they should be every day. Mm -hmm. um, we have a definition line of like different words and what it means with a kid doing it, whether it be, you know, curiosity or creativity right. or, um, you know, helpful. And then we've had little kids come for unicorns. People love unicorns, yeah. right? Everyone so we created unicorns. unicorns and like one of our top sellers around the country is like the unicorn army people, because like anyone who has a parent in the army yeah. or the Navy or a police officer or yeah, yeah. like we created this stuff. And so mm -hmm. like people relate to different things. Um, and now we just took on our first like photographer who does like this gorgeous artwork at sunset of different things around here. So like okay. they did the, the bridge and MetLife Stadium. Mm -hmm. And so like, again, the idea of limitless of being looking at this and like just seeing out in the world. So we figured, okay, let's try and take it on. And now it runs online and, you know, we discuss different art, you know, different ideas with them and like they create some videos for it and, and we all have fun with it. And like, it's not necessarily a business that like needs our attention all times. Mm -hmm. we, we upload it to a website, right. someone orders, it gets, you know, sent to the print shop, they print it, they ship it for us. Like, right. you know, but we discuss on, you know, every weekend, like what artwork are we going to display right. this week? What are we going to do? Wow. And so we all kind of just have fun with it right now. And it's, I mean, it's great. We've had some organizations reach out to us to do like fundraisers with it. Wow. So that's kind of cool. We're trying to figure out now how to do that. Um, so just, it's great messaging for kids. Kids need for to sure. see it. I mean, the, the children's psychologists that have reached out to us that they have some of their artwork in their offices for the yeah. kids. Again, it's all visual for them. Right. So like, if you can now show them to this messaging every day when they walk out of their bedroom, yeah, right, or they're sure. in a room, like it helps. Rather than money bags and dollars. Right. Yeah, I've seen some of it and it's really, really beautiful. And it's really, it is, it is very visually pleasing and it is very uplifting yes. and motivational. Um, okay, before we finish off, I just have some quick fire questions, just a couple. Okay. Um, okay, I don't know, do you drink coffee at all? So I do drink some coffee. Okay, so Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Uh, Starbucks. Starbucks, okay, good, <laughs> I agree. Um, cilantro or no? Depends what it's in. Really? Yes. I've never heard that. Everyone is always like, yes or no. It's, there's so, no in-between on cilantro. So I like cilantro in my guacamole, Okay. but I don't necessarily need cilantro in my rice. Okay, so like for me, there can't be cilantro anywhere ever. Well, there's never cilantro in my house because my wife doesn't like it, Good. even the smell of it. Yeah, it tastes like soap. Disgusting. But yeah. Okay, I've never heard someone be like partial on well, cilantro. Well, I'm a, I'm a foodie. Like yeah. I okay, cook and do like all that stuff. We have to do a whole other episode just on, that, just on that. Sure. Um, okay, dog or no dog? Not no. do you have one, but no. are you a dog person? No. Um, no. No, you're not interested. No. Not for you. You don't like them? I like dogs. I just don't need to be responsible for them. Okay, so I'm with you 100% right. on that. And right. it's funny because I used to be terrified, absolutely like cross the street, mm -hmm. run the other way of dogs. But now I'm all for dogs. Correct. I just don't want one Correct. in my space and in my house. Okay. Um, do you drink soda? No. Never. No bubbles. No bubbles. No Anti-carbonation. Anti-carbonation. No seltzer? No. Nothing. Nothing. You don't like carbonation. Fine. So then this question doesn't apply to you. <laughs> um, okay. That wraps it up. So... I would really, really, really love if you would come back another time because I feel sure. like there's a lot more to talk about. Sure. Um, so I am going to put all of that information in the notes where people can reach you. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about, first start with links. Where can they find more information about links? So linksnj.com. 
drinksnj.com. I will right. put all that in the show notes. And if they'd like to find out about your water company, which we didn't really get to talk about so much. Uh, there's Caffeina, C-A-F-E-I-N-A. Um, you can get it on Amazon. It's by your easiest way for people to, to find it. Okay. And the um, art with your dog. Art is limitlessart.com. Okay. I'm going to link all of that in the notes. And if they want to reach me personally, yes, on personally. Instagram, it's Mark the Misfit. Mark the Misfit. Yes. Ugh, we have to find out why, but I have to pick up purple. So thank you so much, Mark, for coming on. This was actually really awesome. And I feel like we fun. could talk for like hours more. We so can do it again. You're definitely going to have to come back. Okay. Thank you so much for the swag. You're welcome. I'm going to use it and, Enjoy. and uh, make sure links is always top of everyone's mind. Awesome. Thank you so All right. much. Thank you for coming. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of A Piece of Me. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Seriously, it'll make me do a happy dance. Join me again next time as we continue to share more and more pieces of us. I'm Aviva Breda, and this is A Piece of Me.